Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant. We welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers and we hope you're enjoying your weekend. Today we continue our coverage of campaign 2023 as we start covering the general election campaign. One key race in the fall will be for Kentucky Attorney General. That did not appear on the primary ballot because the two candidates were unopposed for their party's nominations. The Democratic nominee is Pamela Stevenson who will appear with us on Kentucky Newsmakers in June. The Republican nominee is today's Kentucky Newsmakers guest, former U.S. Attorney Russell Coleman. Shortly after current Attorney General Daniel Cameron announced that he was running for governor, Coleman got into the Attorney General's race. His resume is heavy on law enforcement. Russell Coleman grew up in western Kentucky, got a law degree at the University of Kentucky, and became a special agent with the FBI. Coleman also served as legal counsel to Senator Mitch McConnell and worked for a time for the U.S. Justice Department. And after that, former President Donald Trump appointed Coleman U.S. Attorney for the Western District of Kentucky. Since then, he's been practicing law in Louisville. Attorney General Candidate Russell Coleman, welcome to Kentucky Newsmakers. Good to see you. Thanks Thank for coming. Thank you. Honored to be here, Bill. We are taping this uh, earlier in the week uh, in the aftermath of the uh, the death of a law enforcement officer, uh, Scott County Deputy Caleb Conley. Uh, a horrible tragedy. We're also learning that the suspect in that case uh, had a considerable uh, criminal record. You're in the knowledge that that was uh, over 100 pages in length. I was told by a local law enforcement officer, a chief here, that when printed out, 128 pages, exactly. 128 pages of criminal history. And what you didn't mention is this subject, and I'm not going to say his name, took the life of, of one of our heroes of Scott County. Uh, he was sentenced to a 20-year sentence. So 20 years for armed robbery, armed burglary rather, and kidnapping in Scott County. But he was paroled after a year. A 20-year sentence, a violent offender with a criminal history that significant that was paroled after a year. And I, I have, we have had conversations, I, I'm an advocate for giving the right people, nonviolent offenders, those that are driven by addiction, uh, second chances. I, I believe in redemption. My faith calls me to, to believe in redemption. But if I'm privileged to serve as attorney general, we, we have to have a commonwealth where this threat isn't omnipresent for law enforcement officers, omnipresent for our families. That subject went on after taking the life of one of Scott County's heroes. He went on after killing a police officer, carjacked another car, shot someone else who fortunately I believe has survived before law enforcement took him into custody. When they took him into custody, Bill, he was overdosing. They saved his life. They, they applied Narcan and saved his life. That's the caliber of the men and women we have out there in law enforcement. What do you believe that an attorney general could do? Uh, to, an independent parole board makes those decisions, right? Well, it's, it's especially important that uh, jobs like this, standing behind podiums like this, is very candid about what the impact we can have sitting in Frankfurt. The most important prosecutor to the people that, that are watching here this morning, most important prosecutor in, in your counties, it's not the Attorney General. It's not the United States Attorney that I was privileged to serve as. It's your county and Commonwealth's attorneys. And, and I, if privileged to serve as Attorney General, one, I'm going to focus on ensuring that the right offenders, violent offenders, are incarcerated, working with our county and our Commonwealth's attorneys, and working with our legislature. We have to have one of the things I bring, if privileged to serve as, uh, as Attorney General, is relationships, not only across the state in law enforcement, but with our legislature. I've been privileged to be endorsed by a number of, of folks that serve on the third floor of our Capitol. If we exist in a system where violent offenders such as this subject 
at receiving a 20-year sentence is out after a year and killing our police officers, the legislature needs to look at the process. The legislature needs to look at who serves on the parole board, and we need to look at the governor that is appointing to that parole board, which is why I'm so privileged to serve on a ticket with, with the next governor of this commonwealth, our current attorney general. Uh, Mr. Coleman, let's hear a little bit about uh, yourself and what led up to this decision uh, that you would run for uh, Attorney General of the Commonwealth of Kentucky. You're from Western Kentucky originally? I am. My dad worked in the aluminum plant, so we moved around a little bit. Uh, friends of mine in Senator McConnell's office give me a hard time. They say I was kind of a gypsy. I'm, I'm like the Bashir family. I'm from about four different places, depending upon who I'm talking to. They give me a hard time. But I, I originally was, was born in Paducah lived in Mayfield uh, until I started elementary school, lived in rural Davis County, and then finished out high school, went to most of high school in Logan County, uh, down near Bowling Green, so both in the Purchase and the, in the Penny Rile. Something that, that unified me as a kid growing up is when I was in elementary school in Owensboro, in, in rural Davis County, I came across these books. You and I have talked about this, I'm talking to somebody that's spent 40 years in journalism, talk about having a calling. I came across these black and white books that had men and women of the FBI, or then it was just men, uh, fedoras and Tommy guns, and I was in second grade. And I knew that's what I wanted to do when I grew up. Everything I did after that, going to law school at the University of Kentucky, being privileged to go to, to undergrad here at UK, uh, working in Washington for two attorneys general, that was all about one day becoming an FBI special agent. I, although as growing up where I grew up, I might as well have said I wanted to join NASA. Uh, we didn't even know an FBI agent, and I was privileged to do that job. And you, have, uh, you see this as an opportunity to continue uh, in, in that career. And Bill, I was, I was injured and left the FBI much earlier than I had intended. I was paralyzed. I was a paraplegic that learned to walk again at Fraser Rehab, this amazing facility in Louisville. And I went to work for Senator McConnell after that, working on law enforcement issues, working on drug policy issues. Ultimately, I had the privilege of serving as the United States Attorney for President Trump. Doing this job, if privileged to be the next Attorney General, it's the same focus I had as U.S. Attorney. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to know what your Attorney General needs to be focused on. It's the same thing I'm concerned about as a parent of three young kids, the drug threat. Our counties, whether you live in the most urban county, whether you live in the most urban neighborhood in Jefferson County or you're down in the Purchase or the Penny Rile, the drug threat, the fact that we lost 2,000 Kentuckians last year to drug-related death, and violence. You don't have to live in Fayette or Jefferson County to be concerned about the uptick in violence, and certainly Louisville has been on fire these last few years. We have a 68% increase in murders in rural Kentucky, Bill, in rural Kentucky. The next attorney general has to be laser beam focused from the moment they take that oath, laser beam focused to working with our county, our Commonwealth's attorneys, and working with law enforcement to tackle the drug threat and tackle the violence that's facing our All families. All those tied together. They are in some instances. What drives violence in Louisville is gangs. Unfortunately, for too long, we had an administration in Louisville, a mayor, that was unwilling to say the word gang. So many of those homicides, they aren't random. They're driven by gang, by group dynamics. And yes, narcotics, that's the, that's the fuel for the machine of violence we're seeing so oftentimes in, in Louisville. We've seen a slight decrease in the overdose deaths. Uh, Narcan is more readily available out there. Are we on the right track now? I applaud the fact that, that we had uh, approximately 2,000. We, we, we reduced the number of, of overdoses last year to around 2,000. I hesitate to say I applaud that because think about that. We're, some are celebrating spiking the ball that we only 
and I say that in quotation marks, lost 2,000 Kentuckians. We're not on the right track. With fentanyl pouring over a porous southwest border, a pour, pouring over, what's, what's driving so many of these overdoses is this, this product fentanyl, and we're seeing other types of uh, synthetic uh, opioids coming across that border. Until we secure a southwest border, we, we never will be able to bring those numbers down to any considerable degree. That doesn't mean we, we shouldn't in this Commonwealth and the next AG shouldn't be focused on enforcement, but also working with other groups to do the prevention. We have to plus up prevention. Given the size of the threat, we have to, to scale up prevention. As little as one pill in this environment could kill my son or my daughter. And we see it. I prosecuted those cases. As United States Attorney, as little as one pill will take one of our, our neighbors. Because the fentanyl is Because fentanyl is yeah. present. It's, there, there's no safe experimentation with, with drugs in this environment. There's no margin of error. The old Louisville Bank mass shooting left five people dead, plus the shooter and a Louisville police officer, uh, certainly very seriously injured. Um, there have been several mass shootings in the country and even in Kentucky since then. Uh, is there some approach that can be taken in this state to address the, the gun violence? You said you're concerned about what's going on in rural Kentucky. I am. You look at the city that's, that's bleeding out. I, I, I want to be an attorney general for both the rural and the urban areas of Kentucky. I did that as United States attorney. I had Louisville and I had some of the most rural counties of our Commonwealth that I swore to protect and spent time in. I served protected counties all the way down to the river counties, down in Ballard, Carlisle, Hickman, and Fulton. What, what happened at that bank was horrific. It was horrific loss of life. We also saw some of the finest in the heroism of those two Louisville Metropolitan Police Officers. One who is Officer Wilt, who's still fighting for his life. Those officers demonstrated the best in law enforcement. But Bill, until we are adequately funding our police departments, LMPD, Louisville Metropolitan Police Department, is down 300 officers. Your department here, Lexington Metro, is down 125 officers. We have to get the basics right. We have to adequately fund and equip our police departments across this Commonwealth, first and foremost. And we lost five. We lost five in that bank. But year after year in Louisville, we're losing close to 200 of our fellow neighbors. Every year is a mass shooting in Jefferson County, quite frankly. And until we tackle that with a sense of urgency, a sense of unified government and treat it as the threat it is, we're not going to attack, we're not going to successfully reduce violence. But the, but the answer is to fully staff the police department? The answer is to fully staff the police department. The answer is leadership of the police department and ensure that they feel supported up the chain by their political elected leadership. The answer is uh, then to move on and have greater partnerships between federal law enforcement, state and local. We have to tear down those silos between law enforcement. Oftentimes when I was U.S. Attorney, I would reach in my pocket when I was speaking to any group and I would pull out my badge and I would say the greatest limiting factor to protecting you, I could be speaking to a rotary or a chamber, it's what it says on our badge, it's not resources. But you think the rules are adequate, it's a matter of enforcement. We're not enforcing the rules that have been the statutes, the, the old federal felon in possession statute, we're not enforcing those with a sense of vigor. I, I, when I was U.S. Attorney over a two-year period, we increased federal gun prosecutions almost 70% in Louisville. And we stood at a podium, flags on either side, the Commonwealth's attorney, the, the mayor, and we applauded that because we pushed hard and focused on it. And we still had 90 homicides that year. It's a drop in the bucket. We're not adequately enforcing the laws that are on the books now. Mr. Coleman, it's a 21st century tradition in Kentucky that attorneys general from different parties sue the governor uh, or 
or uh, criticize or investigate the governor. Uh, Greg Stumbo investigated Ernie Fletcher. Andy Bashir repeatedly sued Matt Bevin. Cameron has sued Bashir. Uh, is that just part of the landscape these days, uh, you know, or when we have a divided government? I look forward to serving with Attorney General, then Governor Daniel Cameron, first and foremost. And so I look forward to having a great relationship Let's say with the that man that down the street. Let's say that does not happen. But You're successful and, and Governor Bashir is reelected. What would that relationship look like? Well, pragmatically, it's it, on issues of law enforcement, issues of what drives me to seek this job. There, there has to be a degree of engagement, whether it's the mayor of the city of Louisville, who's a Democrat, or the governor of the Commonwealth. On these issues that matter, uh, there, there has to be a practical degree of engagement. That said, I'll enforce the law. The, 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 the first duty of the Attorney General of this Commonwealth is to enforce the law as passed by the General Assembly. I don't want to predict where the conflict will be, but I'll enforce the law. I, I'm running to be a prosecutor, not a policymaker. And so when the General Assembly makes a decision representing the people of the Commonwealth, it's my job to be their lawyer and defend that aspect of the KRS, and I will do that with vigor. You know how the uh, Breonna Taylor situation unfolded in Louisville, and Attorney General uh, Cameron uh, presented the results of his investigation to a state uh, grand jury. There was one indictment against Officer Brett Hankison for wanton endangerment. No other charges until a federal investigation led to that. LMPD now operates under guidance from the Justice Department. Is there anything in that situation that informs how you would approach a similar situation? Well, LMPD is not yet under that guidance. They're in the process of negotiating that. So that's to be determined over the next year. And that's, that'll be the most important document, most important piece of paper for most citizens of Louisville as to how onerous that will be. Uh, as to whether that's collaborative or not, or whether it's more of an oversight role of the Department of Justice. You ask what would inform me. I served as the United States Attorney in 2020 in Louisville. I was recused from the Breonna Taylor matter. That means to your viewers, in the federal system, U.S. attorneys don't recuse themselves. I was recused by the Attorney General of the United States, who essentially said, you can't work this case. There was a long-standing a set of relationships between our office and federal, state, and local law enforcement, and we weren't able to work that case. 2020 in Louisville was heartbreaking. Anyone who cares, anyone who gives a damn about Louisville, and I grew up in the country. I view Louisville through a skeptical lens until I learned to walk again there at Fraser Rehab, and we found a church, and we learned it's a, it's a wonderful city. But Louisville has some deep-seated problems, and in 2020, seeing the relationships between law enforcement and the minority community ripped apart, seeing these long-standing ties that you thought were being built brick by brick and seeing them torn down, seeing our downtown gutted, you weren't able to look through a window. I don't know if your viewers went to downtown Louisville in 2020. It's not an exaggeration to say you couldn't look through a window without seeing a piece of plywood. So would I be informed by 2020, seeing how bad the relationships were? I'll be informed and was informed every day as United States Attorney to work to build back those relationships. We and law enforcement need to better protect those communities. They feel at times over-policed and under-protected. Over-policed and under-protected. You can argue why they're over-policed, there could be different views, but that's the view of so many of these minority neighborhoods. As I sat and listened to folks like Christopher Tuex, a nonviolence advocate, I'll be informed every day as our next Attorney General because I'll be focused on issues in Louisville. I'm not the authority 
of the office, the authority of Frankfort doesn't stop at the Jefferson County line. It has to be a priority. The Office of Attorney General runs several divisions. It's first and foremost the state's top prosecutor, of course, but also runs consumer protection, the fraud division. Uh, they do rate interventions on utilities and insurance and, uh, and other things. They oversee the open meetings laws, the Open Records uh, Act uh, in Kentucky and so forth. Uh, do you put high priority on those areas as well? I'll tell you, since I announced, I've spent more time talking about the utilities regulation role of the Office of the Attorney General than any other issue. As we're looking at transitioning, some pushing us, I would argue, too fast away from coal, ensuring that consumers have reliable electricity, that, that backbone of our economic development where our competitive advantage has been as a commonwealth for so long, ensuring that we don't dial that away because of some, uh, I would argue, some woke uh, anti-cold knee-jerk reaction. I, I love that. I'm, I'm a sportsman. I love the environment. I want to protect, be a steward of our Commonwealth for our kids. But I'm very concerned that we're pushing to a point that we'll not have that competitive advantage in this Commonwealth. Or sometimes the companies say that's uh, the best economy for them is to, to go another direction. Well, sometimes the, 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 the companies argue that the market is pushing them in that direction as well. And I'm, I'm market-centric, but I want to ensure uh, that, that, that market is not taking a just knee-jerk anti-coal view. I, as much as I spend time talking about the law enforcement role of the Attorney General's office, and that's my background, I also want Kentucky to flourish. I want my kids to not automatically look to Nashville for opportunity. We see that giant sucking sound down I-65 of so much of our talent oftentimes to Nashville. When I take that oath, it's not only to protect families in Kentucky, but I want to see that this place flourish and not creating an adverse litigation environment, not viewing business as inherently bad on its face. I, I want to see this place, this Commonwealth flourish. A few seconds left. Are you enjoying campaigning? You're just getting started, really, because you and the, and the Democratic nominee had no opposition in the primary. I, I love this Commonwealth. Uh, I've, my, my girth probably demonstrates I love the food at Lincoln Day Dinners. Uh, I'm from the West. I love the mountains. There's so much opportunity in northern Kentucky. That golden triangle uh, is uh, from the bluegrass to our economic engine in Louisville. So much to be proud of. I, I look forward to protecting these communities that I care deeply about as Attorney General. Russell Coleman, a candidate for Attorney General, the Republican nominee. Thanks for being here. We appreciate Thank it. You, Bill. Appreciate you. Stay with us. We'll be back on Kentucky Newsmakers. A reminder that we will have Pamela Stevenson, the Democratic nominee for Attorney General, in a couple of weeks. We'll be back with more in a moment. Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers. The Fayette County School Board just gave approval to the largest budget in its history, $677 million. It still needs a final vote, but it includes more money in lots of areas and it will raise starting pay for teachers in Lexington above $50,000, the highest in the state. Fayette County School Board Chairman Tyler Murphy is joining us to talk about that. Mr. Chairman, thanks for coming. Appreciate it very much. Good to be here, Bill. Thank you. How important is this as a milestone uh, for education? Education and, and for Lexington. It's really difficult to overstate the importance of this bill because we have heard so much talk about the uh, shortages facing our schools in terms of staff, particularly uh, teaching staff. And so when we sat down and looked at what are strategies and approaches that we can take and really where can we put our money where our mouth is, 
It comes down to this, Bill, that if we want to truly uh, show how much we value public education and the work that's happening in our schools, then we got to show that we value the folks making that work possible. And so we commissioned a study to look at you know, how competitive is Fayette County, not just compared to other districts, but, but in terms of the, the market in general. And uh, these were the recommendations that came back to us, and we really wanted to lead by example and show that in Fayette County Public Schools we're committed uh, to investing in the people who make our work possible. So you anticipate that it will help with recruiting and retention and as I understand it you're already uh, seeing some signs of that. Absolutely, absolutely. We, we've heard from folks throughout uh, the Commonwealth who have uh, spoken of interest in coming to Fayette County Public Schools who have, have applauded uh, this move and see it very much as forward thinking uh, because it's across the board Bill it's not just our, our teaching staff but our hourly staff as well will see an, a minimum wage of 1617 an hour which will also uh, be the highest in Kentucky so we're really uh, proud of those investments. You put some pressure on some other districts right? <laughs> absolutely absolutely fcps.net slash jobs if anyone's interested uh, in applying. Uh, do you anticipate there will be uh, significant uh, openings uh, going into the fall? Well, you know, we typically have our, our you know, uh, the retention and retirement and, and folks who are deciding to uh, to move on, so there will be openings, I, I anticipate, and like I said, fcps.net slash jobs is the site to check those out, and, and we'll welcome uh, all applicants. Other school employees will get a raise as well? That's correct, yes. And, and that will be significant? It will be. Um, again, our starting minimum salary will be sixteen seventeen an hour. The average uh, pay increase will be 8%. Uh, with a minimum guaranteed of 4% across the board. And this follows, Bill, on the hills of last year. Uh, we invested in a comprehensive study of our classified uh, employee salaries, and uh, that, too, saw some, some significant bumps. Last year, we also did a 3% across the board, and the year before that, a 2%. So, so we've been moving in this right direction. Um, as we go forward. Do you feel that pay is, and, and again you've done the study so you mm -hmm. know it was a significant uh, uh, factor, but is it the primary factor in why it is difficult to fill teaching positions today? It is a factor because we know the teacher pay gap is real. Kentucky ranks 44th in the nation in starting t average starting teacher pay. Uh, we know that compared to their similarly degreed peers, teachers get about 77 cents per dollar. Um, so we do know that that's a significant factor. But what we also have to think about, particularly in the conversations that we're having, is that it's not just a shortage of uh, professionals and available teachers. Uh, there also tends to be a shortage of respect and a shortage of dignity. And that's one of the areas where we're trying to shore up and lead in Fayette County by, first of all, investing in our staff and, and making sure that we show that we value their work, and then also providing resources uh, to help them ensure student success in the classroom in our community. They have a tough way to go in many cases, right? I mean, teachers are, are sort of uh, in the crucible and, and, and they're answerable to a lot of people right now. Absolutely. And, and, you know, every child walks into our classroom carrying the weight of so much with them. And increasingly, our public schools are becoming the, the places where we have to help support and address um, our 
needs of our students, uh, not just uh, in terms of academics, right? So we're, we've looked at expanding the number of nurses so that uh, we'll have a nurse finally in every school in our district. Uh, we have one of the lowest uh, mental health counselor to student ratios in the country because of the investments that we've made. And then uh, ensuring that we're expanding access for early childhood education, right? We've invested uh, as a district uh, millions of dollars in our early childhood initiatives to engage families even before kids walk through the doors of Fayette County Public Schools because education is, is holistic, number one, and number two, it takes a village, and we want to support that village. You have said that this budget uh, aligns with the a new way forward plan, mm -hmm. which uh, is supposed to emphasize that spending is to benefit students. That mm -hmm. is, there's a renewed focus on that in Fayette County. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, the number one priority in that New Way Forward strategic plan is student achievement. And what stems from that are all of these decisions and actions that we're taking. How can we set up students to succeed and excel in a global society? And that includes uh, being civically engaged. That includes being academically prepared and college and career ready. It includes being culturally competent and aware. All of those factors go in and all of the investments that we've made, be it in our, our staff who make this work possible or the resources to, to help students, uh, be they gifted and talented, multi-language learners or students who need special education services, or our uh, students pursuing non-traditional paths or students who are interested in vocational training. You know, we're about to open a new uh, vocational training career and technical education center uh, here in the next couple of years. So all of these investments, Bill, are geared towards that focus of student achievement, not just in the here and now, but for whatever future that awaits them. There's a lot of construction going on right now. There is a lot of construction, yes, a lot of groundbreaking happening, and you know that's in part thanks to the investment that our community here in Fayette County has been willing to make in our public schools. Schools have some interesting guidelines to uh, figure out uh, from the state legislature after Senate Bill 150 passed, uh, less than a minute left. How is that, do you expect, uh, shaking out? We are continuing to uh, wait for more specific information and guidance on exactly how that's going to impact us and what that will look like. Uh, what I can say, Bill, is what I've said from the very beginning of this, is that it, in Fayette County Public Schools, we value the worth and dignity of every child that walks into our doors. And uh, we want to ensure that our public schools are safe and supportive environments for every child, for every staff member, and for every family. Uh, that remains our commitment, and that will continue to be our commitment moving forward. Tyler Murphy, the chair of the Fayette County School Board, Thanks for coming. We appreciate it very much. Thank you for having me, Bill. Hope you stay with us. We'll be back. We'll wrap up Kentucky Newsmakers in just a moment. Sure appreciate you being here for Kentucky Newsmakers. We're working on next week's program. Bob Quick of Commerce Lexington, one of our tentative guests that we have scheduled, and uh, we will be uh, working on that in the week ahead. Certainly uh, remind you, of course, uh, that we do have Memorial Day coming up and that that will change uh, some of the schedules for businesses and others. So check ahead if you're going to be going somewhere tomorrow as uh, we remember on Memorial Day. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Kentucky Newsmakers, and you make it a good week ahead.